Welcome to Turning 65 Simplified, the only podcast that teaches you everything you should know about Medicare. We talk about real-life scenarios and offer guidance to give you the solutions that you need. Check us out at SeniorHealthSolutions.net. Welcome back to Turning 65 Simplified. Glad you're joining us. We hope you enjoyed the last episode. It was our introduction episode. Uh, We introduced ourselves, talked about what we do with this insurance business, what we do with uh, people that turn 65 and Medicare. We did jump around quite a bit, gave you a lot of different scenarios to think about. Uh, Today we want to kind of break it down a little bit more simple for you, uh, kind of give you some step-by-step instructions. Today we'll be going over some Part B information, what it's going to cost, how you sign up for it. I do have Paul Kuhn with me again today. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, for joining us. Um, Last episode, I talked a little bit about myself. Paul did introduce me. I got a chance to talk about myself, how I got into the insurance business, what I liked about it. And we never got that from Paul. So, Paul, why don't you tell us about yourself and how you got into it? Married, uh, three kids, uh, been in the insurance business since 2006. Actually, Brian's responsible for uh, dragging me into this. And yeah, going on 14 years that I've been at it, um, Brian had initially approached me about getting into the insurance business, was not really familiar with even what he did at all. Uh, I'd asked my wife before because you know she had met him previously, and he told me he was in the mortgage business, which made the conversation even more confusing once he started to explain <laughs> that. And then he looked at me like I was crazy when I said I didn't know anything about mortgages, so... That's more or less how I ended up uh, getting into the insurance business a little bit there. But 2006, I took my license test, uh, passed, started as a field agent, selling final expense. And then that first year, I got into Medicare sales, and I've just really kind of ran with that. You know, I've really enjoyed it. I like the problem-solving aspect of helping people out and kind of a, a numbers guy, too. So a lot of that works well for me. So Yeah, yeah you do a great job at it. And thank you. I'm, appreciate I'm, it. I'd love working with you. Thank you. you. Likewise. Know, and, um, Absolutely. What do you think's made you successful over the past 14 years? You. Oh, whatever. Come on. Seriously. No, I do mean that. Well, I yeah. appreciate it. Yep. He didn't know I was going to say that either. Um, I think opportunity has been, you know, part of it. Uh, I've always been a hard worker, um, you know, and, and I mean that. Your guidance and mentorship is help me along the way, get to get to where I'm at and those types of things. And I think most importantly, the main reason I've been successful is I care about people. When I sit down with somebody's Medicare or their life insurance or any of those things, I want to sit there and talk with them like they are my mother and I want to treat them as such and make sure that I do a good job for them. And sometimes we can help them. Other times we're not able to. There are certain scenarios where sure. people, you know, their situation's right for them. But I would attribute my success in the business to always – trying to help people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You do take a lot of pride in what you do and that's very important. Again, love working with you. So likewise. Thank you. uh, You know, talking about turning 65, you know, some of the first questions that come up with people, um, where do I start? Right. You get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are already at Z. Well, I don't know what plan to pick and let's start at A. Let's start with the, the first steps, not overwhelm yourselves. So take us through um, somebody gets their letter that they're eligible for Medicare. Um, what, what how does that then? work? Yeah, how does that work? Well, I'll start with this. Here's kind of a good way to not have it work. And uh, actually, coincidentally, ended up being a, a friend of mine's father showed up at our office about two years ago. And he said, hey, Paul, I need to get my Medicare stuff going. I need you to, to help me. I said, when's it supposed to start? He said, tomorrow. So I would not recommend <laughs> taking that path, you know, unless you absolutely have to. But Great guy, just a little bit of a procrastinator. We also get people on the other end of the spectrum to where, hey, Paul, I'm going on Medicare here in a little bit. I'd like to get some information. Okay, 
when do you go on Medicare? Well, I'm 58 in about seven years. I just want to start planning now. And that's a little excessive as well. So some people, you know, just depending on where they fall on the spectrum, but I feel a good time to start looking at it is usually anywhere from six to nine months beforehand, as far as just touching base with somebody, identifying who is going to be helping you along in that process. Uh, and the first thing that you really need to address is what your options are going to be whenever you you know, retire or go on Medicare. Maybe you're already retired. But if you have other insurance, excuse me, that you're possibly able to keep, that's going to be one of the first things that you'll want to take a look at. And if that's, you know, an, an option for you, we will sit down with people and compare those two. So if Brian's working still and he has a, a job, I mentioned this in our previous one, where he has great benefits, he's going to continue to work past age 65, he might not go through the Medicare process. It might be, hey, call me whenever you retire. So that's why we start with that. We'll compare what they have and see if there's a need to enroll into Medicare Part B or what they're going to need to do. And we usually try to tell people to contact us about six months out. Somewhere in there is a good time frame for them to go down to Social Security or if they sign up online. But the first step that people are going to have to take is usually signing up for their Medicare Part B as in boy. Uh, and that's the one that they actually have a monthly premium for. Well, so we hear that a lot. you got to sign up for Medicare Part B, but let's even get more simple. What? How? How? How, yes. So you got three different ways. COVID may have changed that, but... You know, typically people could either go down to the Social Security office and take care of it that way. Some people are just automatically enrolled. They get their Medicare card about three, four months beforehand that says, hey, you're good to go here if you want to use this card. If not, mail it back into us. But you can't really count on that. That just I don't sure. know the exact reasoning on how they do that. Or no, some... they'll mail it. They'll mail it. Don't yeah. So on that. I just yes. you know I tell people either go down to the Social Security office. You can call. They schedule phone appointments, or you can sign up online. Uh, and one of the first things that you're going to want to tackle whenever you do that is to look at your income the two years prior to when you recovered, when you retired. So if it's 2020 and your Medicare is going to start, the federal government will look at your 2018 income to see what you will have to pay for your Medicare. So that's one of the steps that you're going to have to address whenever you get signed up for Medicare. You're going to want to know what your premiums are, where you're going to fall. And besides Part B, your Medicare Part D, your prescription drug benefit, they will charge you more and your Part B, they will charge more if your income exceeds certain thresholds. So one of the things that we will help people with, and I've helped a lot of clients with this, you know, I had a gentleman that had sold his company, and he had a very, very large amount of income in one particular year. Well, his income is not that way, and he had other expenses and things like that. His income showed over a million dollars for that one year. He was going to have to pay hundreds of dollars over what most people pay for Medicare. Well, there's a form that Social Security has for people. It's actually SSA-44 to where a client could fill this form out or an individual could, and they will actually look at that income outside of those years. So if it's a scenario where, hey, I just lost my job and you were doing really good two years ago, they're not going to base that income off of sure. that previous situation, but your current situation. And a lot of people don't know that. They'll go into the Social Security office, and they just tell them what their premium is, and then they just have to roll with that. Sure. There's also the ways in which they're going to pay their premium. Is it going to come out of their Social Security check? Or are they delaying their Social Security because they're able to do so? And then they have to mail in those payments. 
So we'll really just, I try to tackle that part first and give them, you know, the best advice that I can for their situation and where they can get that information and, you know, go over all that stuff with them. That's one of those things that I feel we do above and beyond. Sure. There are other companies that I know that, Hey, once you get Medicare in place, go ahead and call us then. And then we'll address it. We try to, you know, help them from the, the very first, that very first step all the way to the, the last one. So is there a form to fill out or, or just a phone call that they need to make? If they go to the social security office, what should they bring with them? So it's circumstantial, and that's why I say a lot of times talk I would to love to talk to us first because I can save you some heartache sometimes. There's nothing worse. We've all been through this, whether it's the DMV or whatever government office, and you wait in line for two hours, and you get up there, and they say, oh, did you have this form or that? And you don't, and you have to walk out of there. Everybody's looking at you like, <laughs> what did that guy forget? And then have to go back. So we'll try to kind of coach them on what it is that they're going to need. They sure. might need proof of, you know, hey, you've had insurance through work the past two years, and that's why you delayed your Part B. The other one is this, and I didn't really touch on this. Sometimes people have spouses that are younger than them, and they need to be covered under that insurance still because they're attached to it. So we'll address that with them too sometimes. Maybe steer them towards their HR person if they need to ask those questions. But that's more or less that initial contact that we have with somebody, how we'll set that up and tell them what it is that they'll need to bring to the Social Security office, depending on their situation. Or even with some people, after I get to know somebody, some people are maybe computer savvy and they have no problem going online and signing up for that. Whereas some people, that's that's tough for them to do. So maybe they want to go into the office and ask a person a question or it's the same way with clients that we have. Some want to see us in person. Sit down, talk to us. Other people are fine over the phone, via email. It just depends on that person's, you know, preferences. Right. We're able to screen share as well. So if you're at home and you want some, want us to walk you through a certain uh, website or situation you need help with, uh, we're more than happy to screen absolutely. share with you, yeah, walk you absolutely. through it, yeah. um, have you on the phone and, and take you through that process. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about IRMA. Uh, Paul, can you take us through a little bit of the IRMA? Let's start with the Medicare. Hey, um. I got this amount of income. Here's the minimum I'm going to pay for my Medicare Part B. Um, and let's talk a little bit about those tiers, what that in, those income levels are. And then let's throw a monkey wrench in it. Let's say, you know what, um, now I get a part-time job after being on Medicare for a couple of years. How does that affect me? Yeah, so and I actually had a client in that same situation. He was actually on disability. That's you know why he wasn't you know able to work got a part-time job and it did affect some things. So I'll, I'll go ahead and address that. But to start from the beginning, as far as your question goes, some people, if they fall, you know, lower on the income scale, they might not even have to pay for their Medicare Part B. So they have what's known as the Medicare Savings Program, which will actually, if somebody applies for it, their Part B premium will be paid for on their behalf. So there's some people that, you know, and, and it could... Like this past year, uh, depending on when you retire, things like that, it was right at $140. They have per month, they have a formula that they use based on, you know, your income and cost of living adjustments and these types of things. It goes up every year, uh, but that's that base level. So we'll call that tier one. Tier one. That's a good good way of, uh, of doing it, of, of looking at it. The other tiers as you go up they're going to tack on an additional amount for your Part B and your prescription drug component. So the form that I mentioned earlier, the SSA-44, they have a guide on there based on how you filed your taxes and then what your monthly adjustment would be in addition to. So like the form I'm looking at right now, 
just to give you guys an example, if you filed your taxes as single and your you know adjusted gross income does not exceed one hundred and nine thousand, but it's higher than eighty seven thousand, you have to pay an additional fifty seven dollars and eighty cents for your part B and an additional twelve dollars and twenty cents for your part D as in dog. So they just make you pay more if your income is higher. So it's based off of that income in the two years previous from when you are going to get your Medicare. And that is a recent change, correct? It's been like that the past couple of years, but they, yeah, it's, you know, they change the income requirements each year, but you do see more and more of that, it seems like, as the, the years have went on. Sure. Um, the other one that you had mentioned is as far as, you know, like the IRMA, as far as how that works, they will actually make those adjustments on a yearly basis. So if, you know, Brian, you're retired, you win the Powerball, two years later, they're going to adjust your you know, monthly amount that you, that you have. To so it's pay. previous 24 months of income. They'll look at the, the two years prior and that's how they'll make that income determination. If that's not accurate, it's not a good de- description of your income. Well, then you could, you know, appeal using this form. You know, think of business owners during the whole COVID thing. It's probably safe to say there's a lot of people out there that their income is lower this year than it was maybe two years ago depending on what you know, business you're in, those types of things. Well, those people would have an opportunity to say, hey, my situation has changed. Please take that into consideration. And then they'll adjust it accordingly. Right. And clients, clients of ours, if they do see their Part B premium going up, what do you think they should do? Call us and we can, and we can help. You know, if their Part B premium is at a certain level, you know, we are not tax professionals. We don't give tax advice or these types of things. But if somebody provides me with you know, what their income amount was, I can show them on the chart where they're going to fall or the appeal letter. I can show them the different situations and those types of things to maybe help them along. Sure. Educate them on the process. And I had one client of mine, he's a very intelligent individual. You know, I would informed him of that. He was not aware of it. And his premium went from like 400 something dollars a month for Medicare down to the 135.50. You know, he's a big Paul fan now because that's a lot of money per month, especially for an individual on a fixed income. Of course. So, yeah, it helped him out a lot. Yeah, we usually don't make more more money when we get on Medicare and retire. We typically are Less. trying to hang on to what we have to make sure that, that we can, right. we can um, tackle anything that comes our way mm-hmm. and, and still live a comfortable life. Absolutely. So we didn't talk about Medicare Part D yet, but it does go along with the B because of the requirements yeah, uh, you when you're to. eligible. You know, I know that uh, if you want to get on Medicare and, hey, I just want Medicare, that's fine. I don't want to supplement. I don't want Medicare Advantage. Um, some people even say, I don't even want to have a Part D plan. They do, yeah. So tell me what you would say to people like that. I mean, well, here's there's a couple of situations. You know, and typically when people say, hey, Brian, I don't need Medicare Part D right now. I don't take any prescriptions. Well, that can change. One doctor's visit away, and even if people are healthy, things happen. You know, if, say, somebody's world-class athlete, I take no prescriptions. Paul, I'm 65 years old. I run 20 miles every day, this, this, this. Well, if that person has strep throat, or if they had, you know, a temporary medical situation, they might need to get a prescription. And the cost of those without insurance can be very expensive. So that component of things is they don't have the system set up to where you can get the insurance right when you need it. Unless unless you're turning 65. Unless you're turning 65. Just like car insurance, you can't call a company and say, I just got in a car accident. I need to add some coverage on about 10 minutes ago. Like it doesn't. (laughs) They don't let you do that. So you have to get the Part D in place because if you do not do that, you'll 
not necessarily be able to get it whenever you feel that you need it. And whenever you do sign up for it, if you delay that without having other coverage, credible coverage, they will penalize you 1% per month of the average national premium for a Part D, just like they said in the Sandlot, forever. They will do it forever. You will always have to pay that. Unless for some reason you got some low-income assistance or things like that. And it doesn't sound like a big deal, Paul, but over the years I've had clients that did not sign up for Part D. Now they get a Medicare Advantage plan because it doesn't just apply to a standalone Part D plan. It's any program or plan that would have a Part D with it. And here I'm in their house explaining to them a zero premium, and now I have to go back and do the formula and calculate, well, actually it's not because now I have to tack on this 1%. Now that doesn't come from us. We submit your paperwork, your application. That comes from the carriers, and that's actually dictated by Medicare, correct? Yes, EMS. They tell them that they have that they have to do it. So I've had some people get mad at the company, like, why are they sending me this letter saying I have to pay this? Sure. Well, they, they have to follow Medicare's rules. They're the ones that decide you know, how things work and those types of things. But the carrier, like you said, they will collect that money. And you might have a zero premium plan, and you're paying $15, $20 a month. Right. But usually it's still worth it. They have right. the coverage. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it, correct? No. Besides getting on a Part D plan when you're eligible. So my advice would be if you want to wait, let's say you're turning 65 later in the year, and you know what? Hey, plans are changing in January. I just want to kind of put it off. I know i got an open enrollment coming up. My advice would be at least get on a Part D plan while you're eligible. Correct. And there yeah. are options that you can get it at very low cost or no monthly cost. Sure. Just depending on what you have going on, your income, what type of plan you pick. And there are high deductible options for Part D plans. They're not as low cost as they were maybe 10, 15 years ago. But, you know, they this past year, a carrier had one right around $15 a month. Right. So. Over the years, I've also had customers uh, that I visit with, well, I have, Medi- I have Medicaid. I don't need to get Medicare. Yeah, you do. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And yeah. a lot of times, those folks might be auto-assigned certain things. They'll do that. It's just good to have one person that can kind of paint that whole picture for you because you do deal with separate entities. And then if you get into dealing with other companies too, it can just be really confusing to where you have 10 different people explaining things to you as opposed to one person walking you through that whole process. Right. Any advice for kids or kids' mistakes that they make when they're helping their parents? We're kind of at a a time where kids are more involved with their parents getting older. They are. And um, trying to help them guide them to the right direction. Uh, some parents, some kids may not trust their parents' decisions, things like yeah. that. Is there any, over the years, dealing with people's kids, what's your, kind of your approach to... We, and, I, you uh, know, we had talked a little bit about this beforehand. I have a real quick, you know, story I'll share with you. I won't mention the gentleman's name, but if he hears this, he'll probably know I'm talking about him, and I really appreciate him saying this. But this particular gentleman, I have handled his health care and his wife. She actually passed away about a year and a half ago. For years, I've handled their stuff. And they've gotten older over the years, and I really, really love this guy. I mean, he's just a a great guy and everything. I had not met his children before because they're not really involved with things because he is fine. Well, I was at his house this past year, and their daughter came over, and she starts asking me questions. And I I get, you know, hey, who's this guy talking to dad about his stuff? And she kind of got a little defensive with me, and he said, hey, you need to stop that right now. Paul's taking very good care of us for the past 10 years on this stuff and you're not going to talk to him like that and kind of put her in her place and had her sit down and listen and 
I went through and explained things and she apologized and those types of things. So I get that. I have parents, you have parents, people are protective of their parents, but a lot of times it's for them to get involved where it can be detrimental is if they choose not to educate themselves and then they're, you know, doing things based on just things they've heard or hearsay. You know, if I had any advice for kids, if you want to get involved, educate yourself. Don't make assumptions on things and really look into it because I have seen children maybe say, hey, mom, you should do this or, hey, dad, you should, you know, handle it this way. And it doesn't work out really well because they don't understand what's going on. Correct. Hey, it might on paper look good. This drug's cheaper, but, you know, mom has cancer and her doctor's not in that particular plan or, you know, maybe they understand things a, a certain way. They think a maximum out of pocket, the higher it is, the better, whereas that's not the case or, you know, those types of things. So I welcome children to be involved Absolutely. in the process, those types of things. So a lot of times, you know, with people that are 65 these days, they're still working, they're, you know, active, strong minds, very sharp. They may not need their kids. They don't really need their kids, you know. And sometimes kids want to know what's going on just because they want to know what's going on for down the road, those types of things. Um, So I always welcome, you know, the the family to be involved or know what's going on. But I wouldn't say... The majority of 65-year-olds need that assistance. Right. Well, the majority of our client base is, is over 65, some into their 90s. And those situations, uh, when you're v- reviewing plans, or maybe it's somebody that uh, you know had sent in a request for information that we contact. Uh, over the years, my I always want to get kids involved. Uh, kids are our best advocate. When I'm not there, if I can educate their kids about it, um, they're able to relay that to their parents if a situation comes up and I can kind of work with them and their mom or dad. So I, I absolutely welcome that. I think that's our best client. Yeah, a- absolutely. Because they're mm-hmm. educated and the, the daughter, son's helping us. But then the flip side of that, over the years I've had situations where I'm sitting down with a, with a parent and their child or kid, not, not children anymore, but and I have something I really feel that person – is going to benefit from, and sometimes the things I will get back is, well, you know, my brother's a, a doctor. I'm going to talk to him. My 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 best friend's a nurse at the hospital. And my response to that all the time is that unless they work in the billing department or the network of the hospital, they're going to get the wrong advice from those people. All all the nurses and doctors here a lot of times is maybe the name of a company. They don't understand all the benefits. Doctors aren't there to understand your health benefits as far as what's going to pay what. They have people that do that for them. So if you're ever going to reach out to a third party and find something out, a lot of times it is a current. Maybe you can ask your current doctor about it. Do you take this plan? Do people seem to like this plan? Do you have a lot of people that come in that are on it? I think that's the way to go instead of trying to rely on somebody in the medical field to understand insurance because it's a it's a completely different situation. Well, even this to that point, Brian, sometimes why they think things are good might not be a valid reason for a client. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I won't mention the specific company, but I was in a home. Their child was there. Hey, you should go with that one. They're really good. And it was more expensive than the other. And I said, you know, why would you say that? Just out of curiosity, why she made that statement. She said, well, I worked in a medical office. And as far as the billing goes, they would always pay us fast. And the girl that, you know, we would deal with there, she was always so nice. I said, okay, but, you know, your mom and dad would have to pay more and these types of things. And did this other company, did you ever deal with them? Well, yeah. Well, you know, how did they do? Well, they they paid, they would always pay, just not as fast as the other one. Well, how fast a doctor gets paid 
is not really have anything to do to with that. Yeah, yeah. And most people don't associate doctors with poverty either, you know? Yeah, correct. But, yeah, you see that type of stuff sometimes. So the reason that they're using on why they think it's good is a little bit different than why a potential, you know, client or something might view it as a strong plan. Gotcha. So going back to, I'm not sure how much time we have left, but going back to um, the initial steps of Medicare Part B, um, what do you think the top five questions you get are? Where do I start? Okay. Get that one. Um, how do I make my comparison? You get that one. You know, maybe somebody, you know, I have one I've been dealing with, you know, it's a you know, retired teacher and how do I find out what my retirement plan benefits would be and those types of things. So I would say the most common vague question is, Hey, how do I kind of get these things started? The other one is, when do I need to start tackling these things? Um, A lot of times people maybe did some of their own research and they're not understanding something, so they want some clarity on, you know, whether it's, hey, I looked into this one, you know, how does the referral process work? Or, you know, where would I go look up my prescriptions? Or um, I wouldn't say I have, besides the where do I start and how do I get signed up for Medicare, the other ones I could probably named 50 of them that you sure. get. I mean, they're always random and those things, but the most common one is what's going to be the easiest way to get my Medicare set up and what do I need to do? And then when do I do it? So if I get, you know, a referral, they call in, Hey, you helped out, you know, so-and-so when should I get started on this? I usually, if I'm able to about three to six months, depending on what they have going on, get them rolling on, maybe talking to social security you know, sometimes people, their retirement planning, this is, you know, has something to do with this too. So if that's the case, a six month beforehand is probably a, a good, good way to tackle that. So, so Paul, a little bit ago, you mentioned, um, maybe somebody wouldn't take social security because, you know, they don't need to, they're still working. How, you know, do you have to have social security to get Medicare part B? No. Okay. So the mechanism that you would choose to pay it would be different if you're not drawing your social security. If you have your social security check that is getting sent to you every single month, they will take that monthly premium out of that check. Well, if you don't have one, they don't have anything to take it out of, and you'll actually have to mail it to them on a quarterly basis. That's typically how they ask you to send in the payments. I have had some clients over the years just mail in a month at a time, and it's been okay because they weren't able to do so. But typically, if somebody delays their social security payments, financially paying those quarterly payments is not typically an issue for them, but they will have you pay it directly to the plan. And sometimes with people, the way that they actually have you pay is after the coverage is going, which is not a lot of times what people are used to. So I always kind of let people know that your Medicare may start and then you don't get the bill, your next bill until you're already in that month. In most insurance, we're not used to that. Like if you get car insurance, you pay for it right then and there that day, usually, or whenever the coverage starts, that's when you, it's more of a pay as you go. With that. Exactly. Whereas with this, you might get a little bit of coverage before you actually have to make that payment and send that in to them. So, so Paul, I think we're out of time, but would you like to take us through a little preview of what we're going to be talking about uh, next episode? Yeah, we got some exciting stuff coming up the uh, next episode. We're actually going to pick up from where we left off today on the coverage decisions and the pros and cons of the different types of coverage and how people pick those and you know, what benefits you get and those types of things. So it'll be some really good stuff and uh, hope everybody joins us next time. Yeah. We'd love to have you guys listen and uh, um, join us. 
as always, we would love to have uh, any type of questions you have. There is no dumb question in this business. I guarantee you can't ask one that I haven't heard yet or Paul hasn't heard yet. Uh, you can do that on our Facebook page. Um, so, yeah, please send in your questions, and we'd love to answer them. Have a good week. Interested in learning more about us? Follow Senior Health Solutions on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for more information. Or, if you're applying for Medicare and need guidance, give us a call at 1-888-215-5740, and we would be more than happy to help. See you next time on Turning 65 Simplified.